Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion with me, Rabbi Micah Streifer. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to subscribe or comment or share it with a friend. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening in to 7-Minute Torah. This week, we're going to bring the book of Exodus, the book of Shemot, to an end. We're reading from a double portion that's called Vayakel Pekudei. And before I get into what it's about, what's up with the double portion? Why is it that there are some weeks of the year where we actually read two Torah portions? The answer has to do with some of the intricacies surrounding the Jewish calendar. I'll try to explain really succinctly, which is not so easy for me because I'm a rabbi after all. So what we think of as the secular year, January to December, is a solar calendar. It's based on the Earth's rotation around the sun, of course. How long does it take for the Earth to go around the sun? 365 days. Actually, 365 and a quarter days, which is why you have a leap year every four years adding an extra day. The Jewish calendar is based on the cycles of the moon. It's a lunar calendar. Every new month is actually the new moon when there's no moon in the sky or you can't see the moon in the sky. And all of the Jewish festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, they're all full moon festivals because they were harvest festivals. So that's all good and well. The lunar cycle is 354 days long, so in theory, every 354 days you have a new Jewish year we start over. The problem is that because the Jewish holidays are agricultural holidays, they have to take place at certain times of the year. Pesach has to be in the spring, Shavuot has to be in the early summer, and Sukkot has to be in the fall. But On a strictly 354-day cycle, on a strictly lunar cycle, those holidays would migrate through the year. One year, Pesach would be in the spring, and a number of years later, it would move its way to winter. So it's necessary to line up the lunar months with the solar seasons, so that the Jewish holidays remain on the full moon, but also fall during the right season. And in order to do that, The Jewish calendar consists of an elaborate 19-year cycle where seven out of every 19 years you add not a leap day, but an entire leap month. That keeps the holidays roughly in line with the seasons that they're supposed to fall in. It also means that some Jewish years have 12 months and some Jewish years have 13 months. Enter the double portions. In the years that have only 12 months, like this year, we have to telescope some of the portions, putting two together in one. So this week we read from this double portion called Vayakel Pekudei. Now all that being said, what are we actually reading about here? Vayakel Pekudei, as I said, is the end of the book of Exodus. And it represents in many ways the actualization of something that's been in the works for quite some while which is the building of the Mishkan, the building of the tabernacle or the portable sanctuary in the desert that the people will carry with them during their 40 years of wandering as they make their way to the promised land. A number of portions ago, we were given the instructions for how to build this Mishkan. This portion represents the actual building of it. So the language parallels what we read back in Truma, where it said, you shall build a tent and an ark and a cover and a table and a menorah and all of those things. Only in this portion it says, they built. It describes the actual building of these items. And then at the end it tells us that the place became holy. 
Vaychas ha'anan et ohel moed uchvod Adonai maleh tamishkan. The cloud, which represents God's presence, rests over the tent of meeting, and kvod Adonai, the presence of God, fills the sanctuary. So, how did God's presence get there? Why would God choose to live in this particular place, this particular structure that the people have built? It might relate back to something that we read a little bit earlier in the portion, where in the midst of all the building, all the making of the structure, it says, Vayikach, Vayiten et ha'idut el ha'aron. Moses took the pact, the covenant, and placed it in the ark. What does that mean? How could Moses place the covenant in the ark? And the commentator Rashi tells us that this means haluchot, the the tablets that represent the covenant. That is to say, the tablets on which the commandments were written. So as I said, in the midst of all this building and creation of holy space, Moses takes the tablets that represent the actions that are expected of the people, ethical actions like you shall not kill or you shall not steal, as well as ritual actions like Shabbat or prayer or building a relationship with God. And Moses puts them right in the middle of the Mishkan, right there inside the ark. Now, this may not be so surprising. First of all, many of us have heard this story of the people carrying the tablets of the covenant across the desert. It's a well-known story. Second of all, it's a little bit reminiscent of our own synagogues where the Torah sits in the ark at the center of the sanctuary. But even though it's not surprising, it is significant. We might have thought that the Mishkan, the tabernacle, is holy because God's presence is there. That is to say that God is the source of the holiness of that space. But it turns out it might be the other way around. It might be that God's presence is in the space because the place is holy. And what's holy about it, what sits at the center of it, are the holy actions that people perform and the holy covenant that the people make with God and with each other. That's a really important distinction. If the place is holy because God is there, then what you have to do in order to find holiness is to go to where God is, the temple, the synagogue, the church, wherever that holy space is, that's where you go to find holiness. But if it's the other way around, if God's presence is there because of the people's holy actions— then what you have to do to find holiness is to act in holy ways, to fill your life with acts of generosity toward each other, with acts of spiritual searching like prayer and meditation, with tzedakah, righteous giving, with chesed, acts of loving kindness toward others. These, according to the later rabbis, are the actions that bring God's presence into the world. And we get a little bit of a hint of that here in this week's Torah portion. It's a good message to remember as this pandemic wears on. And this week, at least here in Ontario, we're marking the one-year anniversary of the shutdown, essentially. So it's good to know that God's presence and that holiness can be found not only in a particular place, but wherever we perform holy actions. When we end a book of the Torah, as we do this week, we say the words, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazek. Be strong, be strong, and let us be strengthened. Even during these difficult times, may we find strength in each other and in our acts of holiness. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment. 
and please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.